Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. The more reminders we have, the more stress we get. And it's not just us sending this. It's also so much other email and text messages, letters and everything that we're getting. So it's all on top of that. And for the person receiving it, these things might melt together. So even you might think, what if I only send one or two mails? But then if you feel like there's 10 in the in the inbox, then it just feels like you're getting a lot. Um, and then you might even unsubscribe, even if it wasn't even you who sent the email. Hey, my name is Mallory, and I'm obsessed with helping leaders in the nonprofit space raise money and run their organizations differently. What the Fundraising is a space for real and raw conversations to both challenge and inspire you. Not too long ago, I was in your shoes, uncomfortable with fundraising and unsure of my place in this sector. It wasn't until I started to listen to other experts outside of the fundraising space that I was able to shift my mindset and ultimately shift the way I show up as a leader. This podcast is my way of blending professional and personal development so we as a collective inside the nonprofit sector can feel good about the work we are doing. Join me every week as I interview some of the brightest minds in the personal and professional development space to help you fundamentally change the way you lead and fundraise. I hope you enjoy this episode, so let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Christina Gravat. Christina, welcome to What the Fundraising. Thank you for having me. Let's start with you just telling everyone a little bit about you and your background and your research and what brings you to our conversation today. Sure. Uh, So I'm an associate professor at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. And I'm also the co-founder of Impactly, which is a behavioral science consultancy. Uh, I have a PhD in economics, where I focus mostly on behavioral economics. Some people might know this as nudging. Uh, so I work a lot with the question of public policy. So how can we get people to do things that are in their best interest? And that could be pu- taking public transport, eating more vegetarian food, um, but also uh, fundraising, donating to charities that they care about. And I think that's also one of the yeah, reasons I'm here for uh, today. Yes, you have done some really interesting research on reminders in particular. I'm assuming that's that is the same thing as sort of nudging. But um, we talk about I was trained with Dr. BJ Fogg in habit and behavior design. So I'm consistently thinking about from a fundraising perspective, both on the donor behavior side, but also on the fundraiser behavior side, how we play with the different levers around ability, motivation and prompts. And so the work that you've done around around reminders and decision-making is really interesting. So do you want to start with just sharing a little bit about your research there, and then we can start to peel back the different layers? Sure. So a couple of years ago, we did uh, several experiments with a large charity in here in Denmark. And the question was um, that they had was said, does it matter if we give people a deadline of a few days or two weeks or a month to donate? And maybe the intuitive answer would be that we say, no, they, they need a whole month because maybe people are a bit busy. So they 
just don't have the time right now. And that's why if we give them a bit longer time for the campaign, say let's something, a, a Christmas campaign or, or something else for a particular, um, particular goal, then they should have enough time. And we said, hmm, it's, it's not, it's, it's not clear. So let's test it out. So what we did is we ran an experiment with them where we gave three different groups, just randomly different deadlines. So one just had a deadline of, of two days and one had 10 days and one had a full month. And other than that, everything was the same. The only thing was the date on the, on the letter. And then what we found, and that's also then the title of the paper, was called Now or Never. And some might recognize that people either donated, this was an email campaign, so they either donated on the day they received the email or, or not again. So we could see clear spikes there and it had absolutely no effect whether they had three days, 10 days or 30 days to donate. Yes, maybe there were one or two people who eventually donated, but they would have probably donated anyway to the charity. It's a rather large charity in Denmark. So that was kind of our, our starting point. And then we thought like, hmm, but maybe if we would have sent them a reminder, maybe then we could have again gotten the spike. So then we're looking a bit at the literature. So what else has been done? And there's some theoretical models about how we are attentive to things and that we have to kind of send these reminders. So if you would take our result as given, then in a way you would have needed to send people almost a reminder every day, right? Because some people on that day, they didn't have any time, so they didn't donate. So it was the one where economists would say low transaction costs. So they were just maybe sitting in a computer at work, they were a little bit bored, and then they got this email, and then maybe from the phone, they made a donation because they didn't have much else to do, which if others had gotten the email, it was a super busy day, and taking care of the kids, and a lot of stuff is going on. So from that, you might say, okay, but then we should send people daily emails because we never know when they would have time. And intuitively, of course, that already doesn't feel right. And I think most listeners will know that that's probably not a good strategy to keep in a way spamming people with emails every single day. But then the question was like, yeah, but is it then too much or not enough? So how, how should we test this? And then we ran another experiment with same charity and one group just received one email and then the other group received the same email and another reminder. And then in order to see what, um, yeah, if they, if they would donate more and yes, they donate more if we sent them two emails compared to one, but they also unsubscribe far more and this to a much larger extent, uh, than the additional donations because they felt that they were getting a bit annoyed, um, from getting these emails. So I think that's uh, um, that was the second step. And then in the third step, we're like, okay, we need to get better at this. We actually told, we did another experiment where we then told a subgroup and said, we got this extra email now, but the next email, that's only going to come in a month from now to see whether this would reduce the amount of unsubscriptions. And indeed it did uh, because people were then said like, oh, okay, so this extra frequency that was only right now, but it doesn't mean that you're now going to send me an email every single week because then I, I don't want to get that. So I have these annoyance costs. So that's uh, kind of what we we're working with. And then we had another experiment where we then told them, but next time in the email, there's going to be like a special offer for donors, like a special matching grant. Uh, and that also reduced the amount of unsubscriptions. Uh, compared to just sending this additional reminder. So we could kind of tease out what are the reasons for staying on this mailing list, but also had to be careful and say, okay, the more reminders you send, the more people might donate, but also a larger share will unsubscribe from the mailing list. Okay, so I have a number of different questions about this because I think this is a conversation that is very prevalent in the sector right now. And so I'm curious because usually when people are doing an end of year fundraising campaign or, or any campaign, they're emailing 
many, many, many times about that campaign, but they're not all reminder emails. They're storytelling emails or they're sharing the impact, you know, how far the campaign has come so far or um, a beneficiary that's been impacted by the donations that have been made to the campaign. They're not sort of repeated, just like blanket ask emails or like reminder emails. Usually we see those like the first at the beginning of a campaign, we'll see sort of like the, the, that timeline given. And then there's a lot of like storytelling, nurturing throughout that time. And then when we get close to the deadline, there tend to be more of those like reminder emails that, you know, the campaign is about to end. I'm curious, like what, you know, I don't, it doesn't sound like this was particularly in the research, but because of your focus on, you know, what increases motivation or how people make decisions to do the right thing, how do you think that variation of content likely impacts engagement or responsiveness to different campaigns? Mm. So what what we do in this research is that we think about are there some people who are already more willing to give and are already more connected to the charity? And these people, one could mm. say, have a higher tolerance for getting additional communication. Well, there's people who are maybe they signed up because they were somewhere in a mall or some online campaign, somebody posts something on Facebook, then they donated once. They're maybe not that interested in the charity uh, or, or, or the nonprofit. And in that sense, uh, they're, they're more on the margin. And for these people who are more on the margin, even a very, very well-meant email, most people will have to be honest, they're not going to open it even. They're just going to see it's the mm-hmm. same in my inbox out them again. And if I get that three times, it's going to probably go in a spam folder. So we also find that not everybody actually goes through the whole unsubscribe process, but it's also easier just to block it or send it to junk mail. Um, so I think here that the question is a bit for whom is this and, and what do we mm. like, what do we want out, out of it? And I think some of these like stories or something are going to be good for those who seem very engaged. So I think here the question is, can one target to those, for example, if you send newsletters and you see they're more often opened by these people, then I think they would have a higher tolerance to more emails. So if you could funnel them or target them in particular with multiple emails, they would actually like to be reminded. Well, there's probably others. And with a reminder, I mean, any type of communication from from you that in a sense is reminded whatever is the content and yes some of them might be nicer and some of them might be less nice but overall I mean what you want is that they're going to donate um, so people perceive that as so, so So, what happens with this unsubscribe so why do people unsubscribe is because we feel so we have this cognitive dissonance so we do want to be a good person and we do want to give and now you ask me but maybe I don't want to give right now or have some other reasons or I want to give somebody else but by you asking me, you make me feel uncomfortable in a sense because you're kind of putting me against this. Yes, I wanted to be the person who says yes to everything. I was just telling my partner at dinner that uh, I got asked to give a, a give a free lecture with with some colleagues, and I'm super busy right now, and it's it just doesn't fit into my schedule. Um, and I would love to, but that actually, I was still talking about it at dinner because it made me this uncomfortable that I do want to help, but I can't. And then, um, and sometimes what then happens is that people will then try to get out of the conversation itself and try to opt out. Um, and I think that's what, what it is. So sometimes maybe even a really nice email or something that is a good storytelling, everything is going to make me feel more uncomfortable. And in that sense, I, in order not to have those feelings, I'm going to block it out if I at the moment cannot, uh, 
give into that or give something. Interesting. Okay. Is there, is there anything that, is there anything that we can do in sort of how we invite donors in or let them off the hook that would decrease their unsubscribes? So saying something like, you know, if you can't give right now, it, you know, we totally understand and we're so grateful for your past support that has, has allowed us to do blank, blank, blank. Like, is there language, like affirming language we could incorporate into some of these emails that might not create that tension? So I think ideally, if it's possible, and I guess today was the, the things we know about people are when they donated, I think the best thing would probably be to say, can they take a break? Because you don't want them to fully unsubscribe. But there, for example, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard of this once and done campaign that was done where they sent out this email and they said like, if you donate now, we're never going to bother you again. And that had the highest response rate of anything they ever previously did. Because people would be like, okay, I'm in a sense buying myself out of, of having these negative feelings and uh, associated with that or, or getting asked again. And the ones who do care about the charity, I mean, they're they then tick the box saying, no, I do still want to give. Uh, so don't take me off the list. But they had the opportunity. And actually, I've seen that recently, a company do this. Uh, actually, they also said, we don't want to annoy you. So if you do not want to receive any more marketing emails from us, like then just like let us know here, here's a big unsubscribe button. And then we're going to respect uh, your 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 privacy and uh, and your time. And then I think after that, they did have another page who said, well, if you want to change your mind uh, so that people had it choice to do this. But I think ideally, one could probably either exogenously reduce when you notice that people aren't responding to it, not increase the amount of reminders, but maybe decrease for a while and then bring it up. Because there is a reason that they're probably still on the list because they still have some interest, but they have some type of reason why they can't give right now and just pushing them or reminding them more of it isn't going to be, uh, isn't going to make the difference. So I think I would reduce the frequency and the ones that seem engaged have it up. And that can, I think, either be that you somehow ask them if they can somehow tell you that they want to reduce your frequency, or is there some way of how one can do that by looking at opening rates or looking at past engagement with um, with newsletters and then maybe bring it down for a little while and then bring it up maybe when it really matters or maybe when there's a really new campaign and saying, well, this is maybe not a particular topic. I know that larger charities have different topics that they're going on. Maybe this is just nothing that re resonates with this person. So let's take them out for now. So we avoid them getting upset with this and unsubscribing and then losing the contact for good. Hi, it's Mallory. I'm so excited to be partnering with my friends at Instill to bring you these episodes all about how we truly enable fundraisers, which include everything from building effective habits to real relationships in order to raise more for your organization. There is so much wisdom in this series, but we know we can't cover everything here. That's why I'm launching a mini course on habit and behavior design for fundraisers specifically. And here's the best part. Instill is sponsoring this course for a year, which means it's 100% free to you. The mini course is launching live on January 25th. To sign up and come live or get the recording, go to MalloryErickson.com backslash habits to sign up. 
Okay, this is kind of rocking my world because true, truly, like before your research, like looking at your research in this conversation, I have not been that concerned about unsubscribes because my assumption has been that if somebody is really going to fully unsubscribe, well, I'll say one thing that I recommend with all of my clients that I work with whenever they're doing a campaign where they're going to be giving multiple emails, that at the top of those emails, they actually put an unsubscribe at the top that says like, if you don't want to hear more about this campaign, you know, you can just unsubscribe from this campaign here. So they don't have to unsubscribe from the whole list, but they know like this campaign isn't from them for them. So that's kind of like the first, like literally the first sentence in the email. But then beyond that, for people who don't, don't opt out of that, but opt out of the full organization, my assumption had always been that like, okay, these are likely not people who would probably give again at any point. They ended up on your list by some, like, you know, they signed up for some freebie or they came to an event with a friend or that, you know, they ended up on your list somehow, um, but they likely, and maybe they gave to a peer-to-peer campaign. So they gave because a friend asked them to give, but they actually don't have a direct affinity with the organization. And if they're going to go through the trouble of unsubscribing from the entire organization, then you're not likely losing like lifetime giving um, from that person. But what you're saying is that you might be, right? So yes, so you might actually be. So what the way we did it, we our experiment was run on a warm list. So all of these people had given prior and not a peer. So this is fairly simple, like di- direct giving to uh, to the charity. So we knew that they had given and also at, at larger amounts. Um, and then we saw that they were only unsubscribing when we were sending them too many emails. So that's the nice thing about the experiment, right? That it was randomized. And these same people on average did not unsubscribe in the, in the other case. But yeah, what I was saying before about this cognitive dissonance is that it doesn't necessarily mean that these are the ones who have the least interest, but it's also maybe ones who have high interest, but who feel bad about being asked. Uh, and this, so there's also a fascinating different experiment that if we have a bit of time, I'd, I'd love to share by a, um, a colleague where they were doing, um, so Salvation Army was doing fundraising at a supermarket. Um, and then they were standing in front of the door and uh, either just standing there or ringing the bell or asking people to give. And then the student assistants were counting how many people were going into the store and then coming out of the store and then whether they were giving when they were going in or were going out. So that was what they were trying to measure. But what happened is they realized that there were people who were still in the store, they thought. So there were less people coming out of the store than had gone into the store that day. Like, that seems odd. And then they figured out that there was a little back door next to where you could bring your bottles back. So apparently there were more people leaving the store through that door. And this was especially the case when the ones from Salvation Army were like directly asking people to give. So when they were just standing there, this didn't happen. But then when they were being asked, so this is called like this avoiding the ask. And I think it's really nice representation even more closer than what, what we've done in my research uh, to show that. Um, so because if you didn't care at all, then you could just walk past them. Nobody's forcing him to to give money, but that these are especially the people who do care. So I think that is um, a risk. And then 
I was earlier working with the Smithsonian Institution in the US. And if you think about this like lifetime giving, so it turns out most of their donors die eventually. So they just get off the list when, when they're dead because their average donor or something is, is around 80. So it's so a bit of a different group than other charities work with. But so if you think about that, and then as an economist, we think about this idea of discount rates or discounting future income. But if you have a charity that, um, nonprofit that, has such a long horizon and where people might actually be donors for life, then I think you'd want to think about it a bit differently than let's say you're fundraising now in, in Europe with the, with the Ukraine war, for example, where there was a lot of money that was needed right now, or you have a tsunami somewhere, or you have a famine where there's a lot of money that needs to come in right now. Then maybe it's also not so problematic if in a sense you lose people off because the additional benefit you get from more donations right now because you so urgently need a lot of money now. And I think that depends on the nonprofit you work for, where it makes sense. Is it that you want to cultivate these long relationships? How hard or expensive is it to get people on the list in the first place? Or is it more this thing where, yeah, kind of a natural disaster, where I think a lot of people, even if they don't regularly, wouldn't give, but they might, might still give in that case. Okay, really interesting. This is uh, flying in the face of sort of what I have thought for, well, partially for a while. So I think the segmentation piece here is really important that and also perhaps the sensitivity to unsubscribing across different segmentations is also really important. So if you have folks who are coming in from a peer to peer campaign or an event where perhaps they don't have that direct affinity, because that that piece you said at the very beginning around like the nudge the action happening in response to the nudge or not at all also feels really important from the reminder perspective because sometimes we're getting, we do want to give and, but we get the email at an oppor- at an inopportune time where we can't actually take the action. And so getting that reminder email later, it's sort of like, you know, it leaves our consciousness. We forget about it, but we do want to. And so then getting that nudge later on, we, it like reminds us in a positive way that we want to be involved and, you know, not in a guilt way, but it's like, okay, now I can actually do it. You know, I couldn't when I got it in the middle of my work day or something like that. So it's like trying to find that balance between, between giving people, you know, meeting people where they're at and giving them multiple opportunities to take that action and then also not wanting to alienate them by making them feel guilty if they're continually being reminded and they can't take the action during that time period for whatever reason. Exactly. So I think the more one can maybe learn about donors, when is a good time? So I was talking about the end of year campaigns. And this is also what we found with this charity that the highest amount of online donations came in uh, on on the 31st at 6 p.m. Um, so something like this, uh, 31st of uh, December. But if you think about it, that's probably not the optimal time for people to give. They want to get ready for a New Year's party or they're having guests over or something. So this is, I mean, that's when a lot of the maybe mails come in. And I guess for some, it might be because of tax reasons. It's like that, okay, last chance. I, I still need to, to give. So I, I understand the, I understand the sentiment behind it. But if we think about it, that is probably not necessarily when, yeah, people want to be reminded. Um, so I think that's also, really good to think about. Maybe for individual people, it might be different. Um, I'm doing other 
research where we're trying to get people to fill out surveys. And that's, of course, similar. It's uh, donating your time instead of donating money and then trying to also think about when would be optimal times. It, and it is hard because things for some people, a weekend or afternoon or evening is a better time. For others, it's maybe during the day, uh, which is better. So I think there's not one size fits all. If I think if one could do that, right, then all the online marketing, they would be very happy if you could find that <laughs> like one time when you need to send it out. But then also everybody else would send out the same time. And then again, you run into the same problem. Yeah, But I think the more one can think about customizing, uh, and that's also reminders in other sense, right? Where if you have reminders for yourself on your phone, if you want to wish somebody a happy birthday, right? Then you might put a reminder, but then you can think about it for yourself. Like, what's a good time? It's probably not when you just get into the office, but maybe it is on your way home that you can then think about it. So I think it's it, it, in a broader sense, we want to say the more reminders we have, the more stress we get. And I think often... We also need to remember, right, we're not in a vacuum. It's not just us sending this. I think in another podcast we were also talking about, yeah, it's also so much other email and text messages, letters and everything that we're getting. So it's all on top of that. And for the person receiving it, these things might melt together. So even you might think, what if I only send one or two mails? But then if you feel like there's 10 in the in the inbox... Uh, then it just feels like you're getting a lot. Um, and then uh, you might even unsubscribe, even if it wasn't even you who sent the email. Uh, so I think that's another reason to think about. Yes, we might also want to get some of the action on the time when, when people donate. But on the other hand, I think that's just something to keep in mind. And I think it's, I mean, it's fairly easy to monitor as I've been talking with other charities about this. And I mean, looking at the unsubscription rates, many will say, uh, we don't really look at it or we just assume, well, if they don't want to, they don't want to. Um, but and several other experiments we're we're now looking at and say okay how who are the people and are that really just the people who don't care and it doesn't look like that do you do you think that I know we only have a few minutes left but I'm curious about folks who have demonstrated some level of engagement on the email, but maybe haven't given yet. So I was thinking particularly that additional reminders might be helpful for people who have clicked on the link to donate, but haven't yet donated because perhaps they got interrupted, but they showed some level of like interest in being a part of the campaign. But is that an, is that an appropriate assumption to make that they that they actually might be the people who need a different, uh, an additional reminder because they got distracted. They had a different, you know, notification come up <laughs> in the middle of their process to donate. Or would you assume that those are actually the folks who would feel the most guilty getting an additional reminder? I'm not sure about that, but I think what I would do, and that's how I usually work with all my behavioral science projects to think about what, Yes, it's possible that maybe they got interrupted and that's why they, in a sense, forgot. That's definitely one explanation. But another one could be, did they go somewhere and then they realized that they need to somehow put their card information or is there something or something that didn't work out, some information it needs, maybe through this channel doesn't work. So I think I would rather try to think about what might be also other barriers that, that could be going on there. Do they do you send them to a page and they can choose from 10 different projects? Then we know that, right? So choice overload, something they're like, oh, maybe I should choose to give this one or, or this one, or I don't know, I'll, I'll look into it later. So right now I'm doing a project on switching electricity providers and we see that a lot of people intend to do it. And then when they start going into it, then they all stop because they there's too many things to choose from. So I think, I'm not sure because it could be if you then keep sending them, in a sense, the same reminders through the same pass, if there is some type of other obstacle, 
then they might get even more annoyed because, well, maybe I do want to give and I can't tell you that, but there is something that prevents them from giving. So I think can be for sure. I would probably do this in an experiment test. It doesn't have another reminder then help them go through. Or could it be that, or do they maybe try to give to another channel or is there something else going on which might actually be blocking and then sending more reminders to just people to tell something that they, they can't do. If I tell people to use the bike, but they don't have a bike and they don't have a bike lane, they will get very upset and mm. that's not going to get us anywhere. Um, so I, I think that's where I would try to think about is there, could there be something else, maybe our website or something not mm. working correctly and, and that's potentially blocking some people. Okay. That is really helpful. I know we're at time. Is there any question I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Um, and then let people know where they can go to learn more about your work and, um, and check out your research. Sure. Yeah. Now we didn't even talk about, maybe I should say that reminders, I do consider them as nudges. So since we're talking a little bit about nudging and behavioral science as well. So yes, reminders are nudges. Um, and that is part of the larger set. So also, of course, there's plenty of other nudges one can use when uh, when working in the charitable sector. But yeah, I think we, we covered that. I think it's just important that we look at both sides of, uh, of reminders. You can find... Uh, my work on my website, which is christinagravert.com. So it's just my name written out. I'm sure you can put that uh, in the show notes. And um, so there's also a lot of, uh, yeah, in a sense, popular science articles, something that summarize the research. So obviously the full research papers, if somebody's interested in that, but there's also on the behavioralscientist.org, I've written an article on reminders and on these particular experiments I talked about today. So that might be also interesting for people to check out who just want a, a summary again of what we talked about today. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom and for challenging a lot of my thinking on this in new ways. I'm so grateful. Well, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. I hope today's episode inspired or challenged you to think differently. For additional takeaways, tips, show notes, and more about our amazing guests and sponsors, head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast. And if you didn't know, hosting this podcast isn't the only thing I do. Every day I coach, guide, and help fundraisers and leaders just like you inside of my program, The Power Partners Formula Collective. Inside the program, I share my methods, tools, and experiences that have helped me fundraise millions of dollars and feel good about myself in the process. To learn more about how I can help you, visit MalloryErickson.com backslash power partners. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to encourage you to share it with a friend you know would benefit or leave a review. I'm so grateful for all of you and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Inside Power Partners, there is only one tool I recommend for finding aligned donors, and it's probably not what you'd expect. It's LinkedIn. And now I just learned that you can cultivate donor relationships with LinkedIn Sales Navigator Core with a 75% discount for nonprofits. You get advanced search, in-mail, and more. I wish this was around when I was an ED. Visit MalloryErickson.com backslash percent now to learn more. That's MalloryErickson.com backslash percent. Thank you.